Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Remember, we left off two weeks ago. We were in this dialogue, right? Do you remember with who? He's with our boy Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, his name actually means victory among the people. And we left this dialogue, if you recall... And he was a Pharisee, so he grew up very religious. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish council, kind of the kind of like the, the the high court of the day. Well, this guy he comes to Jesus. Do you remember when he came? He comes to him by night. Why? Well, the guy was super curious about what he had heard and what people were saying. He's like, man, I gotta find this out. Something's not. This is well, who is this Jesus, right? And he comes to Jesus at night. We don't know what time it was. It could have been real late. I mean. Jesus did ministry all the time and hardly ever slept. He was always praying, and, and Nick comes to him, and, and he asked Jesus. You guys remember what he asked him? Well, we find it in John chapter 3, verse 2. He says, Rabbi, he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these things unless God is with him. And so he comes, and he's just saying, you know, Rabbi, teacher, master, you know, he's not calling him Lord, okay? He's not Lord yet. Okay, he's just saying, teacher, these are some things I'm hearing. And he's coming to him and he's saying, listen, we know you're, we know you're a teacher. Now keep that in mind, okay? He's telling Jesus, we know you're a teacher. Come straight from God. And, and, and I'm telling you, because no one could do all these God-pointing, God-revealing acts if God weren't in on it, right? And that's a, that's a factual statement right there. But the one thing we need to keep in mind, guys, is the mindset that Nicodemus had. You go, whoa, what is that? We need to keep in mind, we need to feel the weight of the mindset that Nicodemus had. How so? At this point, we could say that Nicodemus was walking by sight, not by faith. He, he was hearing some stuff. He, he, he read the paper, the Jerusalem news, and hey, Jesus is making a ruckus. You know, he's doing, he's all these signs and wonders. He was amazed by the miracles that Jesus had done and was even doing, I'm sure, in small town Cana, the turning the water into wine was huge. If it was our day and age, guys, it would have been all over Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. I mean, I mean, it was, it was moving fast. He turned water into wine. There was water. I swear it was wine. Did you put water in there? I put water in there. It was wine. It was not only wine. It was the good wine. It was the, I mean, it was like, man, this is good. And I don't even like wine, but it was good wine. And you know what I'm saying? And so the news traveled fast. Well, Nicodemus is like, are you serious? Now, here's what you're thinking. All my Bible students out there going, Pastor Ben, I've got a question. So far... If I'm correct, the only miracle we've seen is turning the water into wine. And John and Nicodemus comes to him and says, we've seen signs. But the only sign we've seen is the water into wine. So how could Nico come asking him about all of these signs? Well, remember what John tells us at the end of the book, guys. Remember what he says. He tells us in John chapter 20, verse 30, he says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. We only got what was written. John, under the power of the Holy Spirit, decided to record the first miracle, which was at a wedding. The last miracle we're going to see is at a funeral, which then he resurrects. 
and he goes to heaven. He's going to prepare a place for us. You guys, you guys realize that? He's going to prepare a place for us? You, you got a, you got a mansion being built right now in heaven? Right now, he's going, all right. There used to be an old hymn, just build my mansion next door to Jesus and tell the angels I'm coming home. I used to love that hymn. And that's what Jesus is doing. But he also did a lot of other miracles that weren't written. They weren't written. See, John only wrote down what you and I needed to know so that we could believe in Jesus and believing we could have life in his name. So what does Jesus do? He responds to Nicodemus's inquiry. Look, and Jesus answered, he said, most assuredly, hey, Nick, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so Jesus replied to Nicodemus, he shattered the Jewish assumption of their racial identity. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Which basically, I was born Jewish, and so therefore, I get to go to heaven. But now Jesus came and said, I have to be born again. What is that all about? Okay, their racial identity was Jewish people just went to heaven, and they never even went to hell. As a matter of fact, there were some rabbis in that day teaching that Abraham would sit at the gate of hell and made sure no Jewish person wandered into hell. Hey, are you Jewish? Uh Uh-uh, don't come this way which blows my mind. I was thinking about, remember Jesus' account when he was talking about Lazarus and the rich man, and it was, it was Father Abraham. And he said, we, we, we can't even get across. So I could imagine how the Pharisees would have went. Because racial identity, they thought, right? They were like... And see, Jesus made it plain that a man's first birth does not assure him of the kingdom. But only being born again gives this insurance. And, and here's, the, here's the point, guys. Here's the point. A lot of people in our day and age, a lot of people think, man, I'm born in America. I'm a Christian. You would ask him, are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. Why well, I was born in America. I was born in the good old USA. And I like baseball and apple pie and Chevrolet. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? We, but, 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 but listen, they're, they're, and, then, and then people will even get crazier. They'll go, man, listen, I, I, are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. Why? Born in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Born in Texas, right? And that's so, and, but, but Jesus says here, no, 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 guys, that's not about where you're born. It says that you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. And he just blows Nicodemus's mind, man. It's like, Psh! You see, Nicodemus' reply, guys, I mean, notice what he says. He says, listen, Jesus, I'm kind of confused. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus, and it wasn't that he was ignorant. He wasn't really thinking, well, how can I be, you know, get back into my mother? He's not, I mean, guys, we can't take it like that. But what he's really saying is, listen, I was thinking that it was moral reformation. So how can you teach an old dog new tricks? That's what he's saying. Well, as the story continues, Jesus lovingly shares what he means to be born from above. And one of the things that you and I need to grasp so desperately in our hearts is that it's a work of God's Holy Spirit. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? I have been in many, many places and I've taught in many places where I've given an invitation and people have walked forward and they've prayed a prayer, but they were not saved. Let me say that again. They were not saved. Well, Pastor, I thought praying a prayer makes you saved, gets you saved. No, no, no. It's a work of God's Holy Spirit. What I do is I facilitate, I want to help you, I want to lead you in a prayer, 
But that's between you and God. And then there's people who have not walked forward but sitting in the seats that prayed this prayer, God, with all of my heart, I give you my life. And the Holy Spirit comes in and it's a work of God. And that's, how, that's, that's really what it is. It's an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter with Jesus. When Jesus emphatically is saying that man does not need reformation, but he needs a radical conversion. Guys, we don't need to be reformed. Church is not teaching you how to be reformed. Okay, boys and girls, let's live good Christian lives. Everybody say please and thank you. And that's not, we need a radical conversion from the God that created us. And even then, if we can be honest, that's a, that's a fight, is it not? Why? Because we have this flesh. And this flesh wears its ugly head every now and then, and you're just like, are you serious? We need a radical conversion by the Spirit of God. We must be born again. We must be born again. Well, can we be truthful? Nick, Nicodemus, he sort of gets it. He, he, he sort of gets it, but not really. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of like, I sort of, but not really understand. Why? Because he continued, like, like if Jesus said, hey, listen, you need to be born again. You go, I get it. I need to be born from above. Amen. See Jesus right on. Everything's good. Nick's like, hmm. And, 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 and so what he does is he says, okay, so he continues the dialogue. He's continuing his dialogue with Jesus because he sort of gets it. He's sort of like understanding. But like what I say is like, I may be slow, but I get there eventually. And I think that's what Nicodemus says. I may be slow, but I'll get there eventually. He's going to get there at the end of this conversation. But that's kind of where we pick it up today. Guys, if you're taking notes, I'm calling this message the ABCs of spiritual things. You go, Why? For today, we discover that Jesus explains what it means to be born again. He says you need to be born again. He explains what it means and why people are in the dark about such spiritual things. So with that, we continue with our dialogue here in chapter 3, verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, well, how can these things be? Now, remember what Jesus had just taught Nick. He, he, he just gave him some incredible, he just dropped some incredible truth. And he, and, and, and he said, hey, Nick, listen, most assuredly I say to you, Nick, this is how it goes down, man. If, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot, what, enter the kingdom of God. Now, Nick, if you're not getting it, let me, let me just go on. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Nick, listen. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, Nick goes, um, Jesus, I'm not sure I follow that. I mean, how can these things be? How can these things be, right? What's going on? Now, here's what I want to say. Before you and I admonish Nicodemus, for not grasping what Jesus had even said, even though we find out that he was a teacher in Israel before we admonish him, I really believe that Nick wanted to know the truth about spiritual things. I think he really had a, a genuine hunger for God's word. And I think he looked at Jesus with as much sincerity as he can. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, how can these, how, how does this happen? I've been teaching in Israel for however long Nicodemus has been teaching, and he's going, how does this happen? And here's my point, guys. Here's my point. I think we should, 
Ask the Lord Jesus the same questions. I heard people say that you must be born again so so you can go to heaven. And I think it's important that we really need to ask what it means. And you go, why? Well, here's why. If we just assume, I think for some, they think born again just means going to church. Are you born again? I go to church every Sunday. You see what I'm saying? I think for some, being born again means this is the denomination they belong to. Are you saved? Are you born again? Of course I'm born again. I go to such and such church. I go to such and such a denomination. I, you know, whatever it's going to be. And they think that born again is the religious affiliation. I think for some it could be church attendance, religious affiliation. I think for some it means joining some super religion of the elite. It may not even be Christianity. It might be like, hey, we're just spiritual and we just kind of hang out. I think for some, I don't know if you heard about this, but there is in Colorado the Church of the Cannabis. And it's a church, and they literally get there and they smoke what they smoke and call it church. And hey, you born again? Go to Church of Cannabis. Come out of there flying high. Feeling good. No, 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 that's not, that's not what Jesus said. And then others might kind of take this very literally like Nicodemus said. And um, um, listen, how can I be born a second time when I'm old? I didn't even want to be born the first time. I don't even remember it. How can I be born a second time? Here's my point. I think we need to, we need to really ask Jesus those questions because we want to know. Lord, what does it mean to have a real encounter with you? What does it mean? I'd hate to go throughout my whole life and miss the fact that I didn't have an encounter with my God. What does it mean for you to be born again? I think Nicodemus is asking those questions. Now, note, Jesus begins to answer these questions. What question was it? How can these things be? Look at verse 10. And Jesus answered and he said to them, Are you the teacher of Israel? And do not know these things? Everybody see that? Look at verse 10 again. Jesus answered Nick and he said, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Now, here's my personal thought, okay? uh, Many times I've read that and I'm just like, wow. See, here's why. Oftentimes we think that Jesus was out to get the bad guy. And oftentimes we'll put a spin on that. And Jesus looked at him and said, Look at you. A teacher of Israel, shouldn't you know these things? And right away we have that spin on it. Listen to me. And we, and, and we think that Jesus is out to get those guys and those dratted Pharisees who won't listen or come to the real knowledge of truth. And when we read this, we go, ooh, Jesus just burned him. You know what? Call the burn unit. He just got burned with that statement. And I'm going, no, no, no. I wonder. Now, 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 now listen, listen. Here's what I believe. In, in reading the Gospels, and here's what I want you to jot down in your notes. Jesus was about people. Jesus was about people. He was about religious people, non-religious people, broken people, prostitutes, as well as the Pharisees. So when I read this, I know that Jesus probably smiled. And he said, hey, Nick, um, in a very soft, in a very loving manner, he wasn't like, ooh, burn on you, dude. He was more like, Nick, you're supposed to know these things, son. You're a teacher of Israel. 
Nick, you, you, you should have memorized the whole Pentateuch. You should know the Old Testament. And, it, and if you know the Old Testament, it pointed to me. Nick? You missed it. Here's my point. All lives matter. All lives matter. Our job as followers of Jesus Christ is to point all people to Christ. Guys, never let us assume people are saved based upon their race, their religion, the socioeconomic status, or even what they look like. Guys, we're quick to judge. If you get a guy who comes in here and he's totally tatted up head to toe and he sits down there and he's got a grin like that, that dude might be the most loving, saved dude in the world and next to him would be a guy in a suit, has a lot of money, drives a Rolls, and that dude may not be saved. We don't. We want to follow the heart of Jesus and, and he says, listen, he didn't look at Nick and said, man, listen, you're just a Pharisee. Nick says, you need to be saved too. You go, what does that mean? Well, let's take it a step further. There's a lot of people out there who are anti-God. And they need to be saved. We're quick to draw sides. Good over here. Everybody who's good, everybody's good here. And, and everybody who's bad, we're against you. We're bad. You're bad. You're bad people. And we won't go after those people because we think they don't deserve to be saved. And Jesus is like, no, man, listen. Listen, we're, we're about all people. We're about all people. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. What matters is that you need an encounter with Jesus. You guys with me? So what does that mean? Well, what's the least we can do? Guys, we can pray for our Muslim brothers who don't know Jesus. We can pray for our Arab brothers who don't know Jesus. We can pray for our Jewish brothers who don't know Jesus. And we can definitely pray for Americans who don't know Jesus. Because all lives matter to him. I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute. So Jesus explains, look at verse 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, everybody see this? We speak what we know, and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witnesses. If you have a New King James Bible version, guys, you will notice this. Notice the we there is capitalized on all three occasions, and the our is capitalized. You go, what does that mean? He's not talking about his disciples. He's not going, hey, me and my posse, you guys aren't, you aren't hanging with us. You're not, you're, not, you're not digging what we're saying. What's he saying? He's saying the Father, Son, and Spirit. He's giving us a glimpse into the Trinity right here. He says, listen, he says, I'm sure, Nick, listen, we speak what we know and testify of what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. Now, at first read, if we don't understand the capitalization, we go, oh, he's talking about his disciples. He's talking about that. No, 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 he's talking about, he's talking about, listen, who he is, who he is. Now, let me, let me back up just a little bit because I'm going to hit this again. But I want, you to add, I want you to think about this real quick, okay? Who, who do you think Nicodemus represents right here? Okay, he's going, how can these things be? And, and I'm thinking, who, who, is, who does Nick represent, right? If we were to give him a type, who, who is he a type of? Now, now, listen, Jesus says this. He says, I'm speaking sober truth to you, Nick. I speak of what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I've seen with my eyes. There's nothing sick in here, no heresy. 
Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with questions. So who does Nick represent? He represents the nation's unbelief and lack of knowledge. He would be your basic unbeliever. Why? Jesus came and he told him, Nick, listen, you want to you participate in the kingdom of heaven? You want to you you go to heaven? You need to be born again. And Nick is now starting to question. He's starting to go, listen, that makes me feel uncomfortable. What do you mean being born again? And so right now at this point, he's representing all of those that we know who don't believe. Ever had that? Have you ever witnessed with somebody and you say, listen, I don't know a whole lot about scriptures, but I know that you need to accept Jesus into your heart. He needs to be, you need to have an encounter with him. And instead of just absorbing that and, and, and even thinking about it, they start hitting you with so much dialogue, so many questions. Well, tell me how this works. How does that work? Well, what do you think? Did, did Adam have a belly button? I don't know if Adam had a button. And then we just go through all these questions and they're not wanting, they're not wanting truth. They're wanting to argue. Because a lot of unbelievers are going, listen, I've got to argue for argument's sake. But Jesus said, no, listen. Like the prophets, he spoke to the nation about spiritual things, but the Jews rejected his witness. Notice what he says again. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify of what we've seen. He says, but you don't receive our, help me church, witness. You go, what does that mean? If you have a pencil handy, go ahead and circle that word because it means testimony. It means evidence given. It means a report or record. So what's he saying? Jesus says, listen, there's a lot of spiritual things going on, but the Jews rejected his testimony. They rejected his evidence. They rejected the report. People are coming and going, man, you won't believe what we've seen. Imagine what, imagine what was not even written. You won't believe this. I mean, we know water into wine, so that's going to blow people away. But what if, man, listen, we were walking the other day and he, Jesus raised a dead guy and, and he's alive now. And I mean, just whatever else that he's done. We just have a few glimpses of what the Lord did. Why? Because the Lord doesn't want us to follow signs. He wants us to follow his word. He gives us a few signs to, to add cred to who he is, but he wants us to be based. Our foundation is on the word of God. And so we come here and he goes, okay. He says, but you're, you're not receiving that, guys. You're not receiving. You're rejecting it. Well, how could this be? How, how could we be well, born again? Who is this fella? And I was thinking, doesn't that sound like a lot of people today? And I think when spiritual things are, are being talked about and you're finding several excuses not to believe... You might be in that category of exactly where Nicodemus is right now. But here's the good news. Nicodemus didn't stay that way. And neither do you. Well, church, listen. We're going to see this authority conflict increase as we go through this series. The religious leaders at this point have claimed to believe Moses, and yet they could not believe in Jesus. Why? The Pharisees were more concerned about the praise of men than the praise of God. Church, listen, here's a very minute nugget of truth. But you and I, we need to remain God-pleasers, not men-pleasers. And that's hard to do. Why? Because we want people to like us. And that's okay. But when it comes to either pleasing the Lord or pleasing men, 
we need not be like the Pharisees. We need to please the Lord. Lord, I trust you. I lost all my friends, but I trust you. My family's not talking to me, but I trust you, God. I want to please you. Well, Jesus goes on to tell Nicodemus, look at verse 12. He says, Nick, if, I've, if I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven. In other words, no man has gone up to heaven. He says, but I've been up there and I've, I've come down. And he says, verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, church, who is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to Nicodemus. His name means victory among the people. He's Jewish, and he's a Pharisee, part of the Sanhedrin council. Amen? So, of course, he's going to bring up what Nicodemus should know. You go, wow. Listen, listen, here's a great little nugget of truth when we witness to people. Find a common ground so that you're able, guys, to make a connection. You know what I'm talking about? That's what Jesus, Jesus goes, hey, this is where I'm going to go. And he goes, and by the way, listen, I know you guys put in your faith in Moses. He says, but, but I've got to tell you, you remember when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? And they're like, Yes! We just studied that in Sunday school class. He said, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Why? For whoever believes in him should not perish. Now, Jesus is reference, referencing something that Nicodemus should know, right? It goes back to Numbers chapter 28, 8 and 9. Numbers 28, 8 and 9. You guys know this, but it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, that it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at it, the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, that story freaks me out. Because it doesn't say, if you look at the bronze serpent, the fiery snakes are going to go, oh, you're looking at this, you're looking at the serpent, I'm going to leave you alone. They're still going to bite you. I don't like that. You know, it's like all these fiery snakes. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the pole. Ow, I'm looking at the pole. They're still going to bite you. Why? Because it's a type of sin. But he says, but those who keep their eyes focused on what Moses put up there won't die. And it's the same to think. I mean, guys, think about that. Let that, let that roll in your mind a little bit. Why? Think about this. I wonder how many people didn't look. I wonder how many stubborn spouses, whether it's husband or wife, was like, no, I'm not going to look. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the brother. Moses lied to me. And they're going to die. And you're going, sweetie, look, just look at it. Just no, I won't. And that's what sin does. Sin comes to kill and to steal and rob and destroy and murder you. But our heart is to look at Jesus, our Savior. Why? Well, there's, 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 there's just a beautiful exchange, is there not? I look to Jesus to be saved. He looks at me and he sees his son, Jesus. And that's how I'm saved. And that's how I'm saved. The story that Jesus referenced, guys, was certainly familiar to Nicodemus. Nicodemus would have said, yeah, but remember, it's a story of sin. Why? For the nation had rebelled against God and they had to be punished. 
And God sent fiery serpents to be bit. Many people died. But it's also a story of grace. Why? Because Moses interceded for the people and God provided a remedy. Do you see how it's pointing to Christ? Do you see how the Old Testament does that? Moses raised the snake on the pole as a cure for the punishment. They were never to worship the snake. They were never to worship that. It was simply used as an illustration. Back to our story. Notice what Jesus says, and I want to show you something right here. And as Moses, verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted. Guys, circle that word right there because the verb tense in that has a dual meaning. You go, what does it mean? It means to be crucified and to be glorified and exalted. It has a dual meaning. So when Jesus said, hey, listen, when I am lifted up, he means literally he's going to be crucified. At the same time, he's going to be glorified and exalted. Exalted. Crazy. Jesus is laying out... Now, now listen. Jesus is laying out the plan. I mean, if, if you're catching... I mean, he's saying this. If I am lifted up, right, I'm going to be... And, and guess what? On the cross, everybody saw him. And they had a choice at that point, right? Do I believe or do I mock and scorn? Walking over for the Passover. <laughs> Look, Jesus didn't do anything. He's on the cross. Rome's brutal. All right, so where are we eating? Or you can come and go, he claimed to be the Messiah and he died, and he died for me. I'm going to put my faith and trust in him. I'm going to put my faith and trust in him. That brings us to verse 16. Notice the ABCs of spiritual thinking. You guys know this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This, these are ones that we should know. We have that memorized. John 3.16 is one we have memorized. But if you have a pencil handy, you're not afraid to write in your Bible. Here's what you should write. All lives matter right here. Why? For God so loved the world. I mean, we could, we, we could pull that apart. For God so loved just certain groups of people. For God just loved the religious elite. For God just loved the down and outers, the poor, the prostitute. No, 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 no. Listen, for God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting. Pastor, I believe in him. Oh, no, no, no. But that word's a little bit different. It's not just a belief. It's putting your faith and trust. And so Jesus just dropped a huge spiritual bomb on Nicodemus. He said, God loved the world, Nick. This is the reason that whoever believes, whoever puts their faith and trust in him would do a couple of things. You go, what's that? Not perish. You hear the breaks, right? Why? Because we perish. This body dies. You know people who've died. You've had family members who died. So what's he talking about? He's talking about perishing spiritually. Perishing spiritually is being separated from God for eternity. Living in a place, I mean, we're not even, we don't even talk about hell and what it's about, but living in a place separated from God with no hope. That's hell in itself. Not to mention the place. But he says, if you believe in him, you're not going to perish and you're going to have everlasting life. 
Okay, so let's chat for just a moment, okay? Every one of us in this room has eternal life. You're going to live forever somewhere. But he's saying if you believe in Jesus, you can have this everlasting life. Everlasting. It's a life in the presence of Almighty God with a peace that surpasses all understanding, with colors we probably in, in the heavens can't even grasp, with love so perfect and pure that we, I mean, it's just going to be amazing. The Lord made it so easy. Why do people die and go to hell? It's, it's easy. You have to just, just believe. Put your faith and trust. Well, will I have to change? You don't have to do anything. Just let the Lord do it. And so he continues on. Nick, let's, let's talk about some spiritual. Here's the ABCs. Here's why. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How many of us ever think, Jesus came in with the sword and you're, you're in trouble now, buddy. You're in trouble. You see, I'm a Christian and you're not. You're in trouble. That's not what the word of It said God didn't send his son to come in and condemn the world. He came in that the world, what, through him might be saved. Everybody say through him. That's real important, right? Through him might be saved. A lot of times we want to judge and we want to say, this is who you are. And Jesus says, no, no, I sent my son so that people can be saved. And if we're going to follow after the heart of Jesus, that should be our heart, that people should be saved. Verse 18 says, he who believes in him is not condemned. And that should be a hearty amen right there. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Guys, let's, let's break this down. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus revealed the heart of the father by sending God the son to bring salvation, to bring hope, to bring what? Healing, rescue to the world through him, through him. I think, church, here's just my statement. It's my opinion. I'm going to stand over to the side of the pulpit. I think a lot of people want to be healed. They just don't want to come to Jesus to get it. I think a lot of people want to be Christians. They just don't want to come to Jesus. to. They, like, let's, just, let's just rub elbows with Christians, but I really want to come to Jesus to get it. And yet the word of God says, listen, if you want hope and rescue and healing, it's found through him through him, a life that's fully surrendered. Well, what's the problem, pastor? Well, he goes on to say, he who does not believe is condemned already, right? John 3.16 is the most gracious, wonderful offer conceivable, eternal life, everlasting life for all who believe. Yet the offer has inherent consequences. For any who reject or refuse to believe, their refusal makes, what, their condemnation certain. Well, hey, you need to put your faith and trust. No, I'll take my own chances. You're already condemned. And this is the condemnation, he says. Why? The light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus came, church, listen, Jesus came to bring salvation, but those who reject that salvation condemn themselves. 
Jesus came into the world, and yet the Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that men loved darkness? You go, why, pastor? The Bible says because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. Jesus, leave me alone. I don't want you to expose what's going on in my heart. I don't want you to expose what's going on in my life. I love my little secret sin. I'm okay. I'm okay. And yet here Jesus explains what keeps people from faith, what keeps people from rescuing him. It's because they're drawn to darkness and they love the darkness more than light. Do you guys remember in in our idolatry study? What did we say? Anything, idolatry is anything you value higher than God, anything. And here the Bible just said that men value darkness more than God. And I think many opponents of Christianity have a vested interest in fighting against the truth of Jesus. And you go, why? Because they love their sin more than they love God and they don't want to face it or face of God who will judge their sin. Church, listen, that is a major reason why a lot of people won't come to Christ. Because they don't want, they don't want to face their sin. They don't want to face their lifestyle. They don't, want to, they, don't want, they don't want to come before a God who, who will judge their sin. And this is why you'll get a lot of people. You get a lot of, okay, okay, so, so when it comes to atheists, we love atheists, amen? Why? Because we love all people. And, and, and atheists are just loving brothers and sisters who haven't given their lives to the Lord yet. You go, well, atheists don't believe in God. No, here's, here's what I found, my opinion. My opinion, atheists are really simple. A lot of times they've been hurt by someone who was the church or who claimed Christianity, and so they've just been really hurt, and they've just put that blame on God and said, if God is loving and great, this would have never happened, and so they step away from their belief in God. And so I'll tell people, where did you get so hurt? And if they'll dig deep, they'll realize that they, they didn't understand life and the world and how cruel it is and ugly and yucky, and that's one. But then you get another group of people who say, I really love who I am. I really love what I'm doing. I really love my lifestyle. I really love my sin. And I don't want to come to Christ because he'll expose that. And then I'll have to change. So it's best that I just don't believe in something like that. And all the while, God is knocking on their hearts saying, yes, you do. Why? Because the Bible says that he put eternity in our hearts. So it's in there. And we have to do, it takes more faith not to believe than to believe. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Okay, so everyone, notice the word practicing evil. Okay, they're not just doing it. They hate the light and they don't come to the light. Why? They don't want their deeds to be exposed. But notice the contrast, verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that you have been or that have been done in God. Okay, so Jesus comes to the end of of his dialogue with Nick. Okay, let me close with this. Okay, I want to close with the gospels. I want to close with the pillars of the gospel. Okay, here's the pillars of the gospel. Number one, okay, when it comes to sin, church, listen, we must first and foremost see and recognize our sin. You go, what does that mean? See, 
Jesus is the light and he will expose those things and we go, oh, I see it, that's a sin. That's what the light does, it exposes our deeds. The second pillar of the gospel, and here's where you got to grasp this, guys, here's where you got to grasp this, is that we need to own our sin. We need to own it. You go, what do you mean? What's the difference between seeing and owning it? Well, when you don't own it, a lot of times you go, well, I'm not really a liar, I just lie sometimes. Well, no, I'm not that bad, right? I'm not that bad. I don't, I don't, I'm not a thief. I just, you know, I'll, every now and then I'll occasionally steal something. And, 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 and so we've categorized in a place where we're not owning our sin. We're not owning who we are. As a matter of fact, jot this down, guys. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, notice what Paul tells us. Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Here's what he's saying. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And, and everybody goes, amen. And then he says, and such were some of you. Paul, I'm not inviting you to my barbecue. You're always, you're always, you know. He says, but you were washed when you were sanctified. But you were sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And here's what happens, guys. Here's what Jesus told us in the last verse. He says, but he who does the truth comes to the light. There it is. I see it. And his deeds may be clearly seen. I own it. Why do I own it? Here's why. Listen, in owning our sin, it helps us see what Jesus did for us and sets us free. Owning our sin is the gateway to joy. Why? Because the second pillar of the gospel is that I'm a sinner and I'm fully accepted. I've been forgiven freely, fully, and forever. I know who I am, and that makes me realize all the more who Jesus is. You go, Ben, what happens? The conversation with Nick comes to a close right here in verse 21. Nick at night goes home, but it's not without his victories. You go, why? Because Nicodemus, I believe, had a real encounter with Jesus, and his life was changed. He didn't just go, well... I'm going to go back to the Sanhedrin and go, hey, guys, listen, uh, I don't know. We, we talk some spiritual stuff. I no, 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 his life has changed. You go, why? Because it tells us, guys, that in, verse, in chapter 7 of verse 51, he says, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing? So Nicodemus is now defending Christ. And they, and they ridicule him. Are you from Galilee? You know that no prophet is ever going to come out of Galilee. And at the time Jesus' burial, he came to open and brought spices to which anoint the body and assisted with the burial. And I believe that Nicodemus at this point went to the tomb knowing that Jesus had changed his life. Nothing else is known of Nicodemus, but I would, I would bet... I'd bet you a Texas quarter that Nick is in heaven. 
And he's telling the angels, you have to be born again. You don't know. It's this incredible feeling. Because your whole mindset changes. Your whole heart changes. You're walking one way and, and in darkness and the light is exposed and instead of running, you, you take your deeds and you go, here, Lord, it's yours. And he says, and then he takes that and he cleans up his, your heart and he makes it all nice and shiny white. He says, okay, here you go. And he puts it back in you. And Nick is going, you won't believe that feeling. You won't believe it. And, and listen, when I took my final breath on earth and the angels are there going, what? I went to a place. I went to a place called Hades. And I hung out with Moses and Abraham. And then it wasn't too long after that that Jesus came. Now, actually, I'm assuming that that Nick died after Jesus, okay? So that's my story. Actually, I'm assuming that Nick died before Jesus. And Jesus came down, took him to heaven. Either way, Nick's in heaven. Because he had an encounter with Jesus. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Thank you for our buddy Nick. Thank you for exposing who you are, God, your heart for all people. And we can stand in 2017 at Calvary Chapel of Lubbock and say, all lives matter. And it doesn't matter from the past that we came from, but it matters that, Lord, you love us and we love you. And so, Lord, as we take this final few minutes to worship you, Lord, we pray and we thank you for this encounter. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.